Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Are you excited to be in God's house tonight? Come on, look, I'm excited and I'm ready to dive in because tonight, church, I want to talk to you about critical moments. Everybody say critical moments. Critical moments. And critical moments in your life are moments that shape you into who you are becoming or who you are. And one of those moments for me, if I could just dive in, is I was about seven years old, okay? And I was living in a place called Pineville, Louisiana. Anybody know where Pineville, Louisiana is? Come on. My Pineville people in the house, all right? And I was seven years old, and I was living in Pineville, Louisiana. It's no surprise because I was in Pineville. I lived next to a farm. Come on. And I'm out there in Pineville, and man, I, I'm next to this farm, and our camper's right there. And all of a sudden, I realized that they had this electrical wire that went around the farm. Now, you know what I'm talking about. It's that one electrical wire that goes all the way around. And I knew as a seven-year-old boy, a curious boy, that that my promised land was on the other side of the wire. Come on. I knew that, man, I had to explore. I had a desire to find out what was on the other side of that wire. And so I had an idea of, man, I got to get across this wire. And I walked up to this electrical wire and this electrical fence and I walked up and as I walked up I was like all right I talked myself into it I'm like all right this is it we're gonna do this we're gonna do this and so all of a sudden at seven years old I I, I get that leg up and I get over the wire right but then I found myself in a little predicament you see the first step was easy but I forgot all about that other leg come on somebody and that electrical wire it taught me something it taught me that, that, that if I was to try to lift that leg, I might get the inside of my thigh shocked, and that wouldn't be a good day. Come on. But it also taught me that the first step, it can be easy sometimes. But it's the transitions that get us. And I think about that, church, and I think about the same thing goes for transitions in life as well. And transition is any time you go from point A to point B, and many of our critical moments are those transitions where maybe we take a step into a new job. Maybe we take a step into a new city. Maybe we, we, we kind of step into a new career. Maybe for you, it's going from a dual income with kids to no kids and no income. Come on. As we get older. Maybe for you, the transition was from single to married or married to single. And we experience those transitions in life. And maybe the reason that you're sitting with us today, maybe the reason that you're watching online is because you find yourself in a season of transition. Because you see a season of transition, it helps you to seek God a little bit more. Transition, it makes us and takes us to a place of vulnerability. Because often in transition, church, we are leaving something familiar. We're leaving something that is comfortable when we are stepping into something that is unknown. We are stepping into uncertainty. And there's vulnerability to that. Because when we are letting go of something, a lot of times we feel a sense of loss, don't we? And maybe you've experienced that too. Maybe it's a loss of a place. Maybe it's a loss of a person. Maybe for you it's a loss of a position or title. 
Maybe for you, it's a loss of just where you fit in in the world. So what I find with Transition Church and what I've discovered about loss, and maybe you know it too, is that when we experience loss in life, it can either turn us to God or turn us away from God. And that's why for so many people moving to a city, it becomes a catalyst, right? It becomes something that kind of pushes us forward because we're searching for God. We're searching for answers because when we're in transition, we need God in a way that we didn't need him before. So often transition can catapult us. It can move us forward in our relationship with God. And so I go back to my illustration, seven-year-old boy, man, I make it over the wire and I'm just straddling that wire, right? I'm like, I don't know what to do. And what do we do when we don't know what to do? I began to scream my head off. Come on, somebody. Mama! Daddy, somebody, I'm going to die right here on this wire. And all of a sudden, I'll never forget it. And I'm just, I'm on this wire. I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, my dad, the camper door swings open. He runs out. And you know what my dad does? The first thing he does when he gets out, he just starts laughing at me. Come on. Just starts cracking up, man. And I'm not here. Look, I want you to know today, church, that, that God is not up in heaven laughing at you. But I'll tell you why my dad was laughing was the wire wasn't even on. Come on, somebody. But long story short is my dad helped me get to the other side of the wire. And he helped me transition to the other side. And and so what I'm telling you tonight, what I'm here to tell you is that your father is with you. That God is with you and he will help you. And no matter what transition that you're experiencing in life today, you are not alone tonight. And if I had to define a mentor, if I had to look at someone in the Bible that, that, that really their life spoke about this, that, that we saw it over and over again, the person that I would have to tell you tonight is a guy by the name of Moses. And Moses, he lived his life in transition. And listen, he did not like transition just like we don't like transition, but he understood that he couldn't get where God wanted him to be without transition. He couldn't become who God wanted him to become without transition. He couldn't help get people where God wanted them to be. He couldn't fulfill his destiny that God had called him to in life without these transitions. And so he had to learn to embrace them just like we have to embrace them as well. And so we begin Moses' story, and tonight we're going to do a flyby of his life, right? It'll be very quick. So I encourage you, man, if this speaks to you tonight, go back and read the stories But Moses, his story, it begins with adoption. It begins with adoption. Now, Moses, we know that he is born in Egypt during a terrible time to be born in Egypt, especially if you were a Hebrew male. Because Pharaoh was a guy that was there that was nervous about how many Hebrew slaves were being born. And so he knew that if they kept multiplying, If they kept growing, that they would outgrow him and overthrow him. And so he made a rule that every Hebrew male child that was born had to be killed and thrown into the Nile River. And the Bible says that Moses' mom, Jochebed, she had this child and she held on to him for three months. And when she realized that she couldn't keep him any longer for the fear that he would be found, the Bible says that she makes a basket. And she takes that basket and she places that baby Moses in the basket and then she floats him down the Nile to Pharaoh's daughter who was bathing with hope, church. With hope that Pharaoh's daughter would have compassion and pity on this child and take this child as her own. And the Bible says the plan worked. 
And as I was reading this, as I was studying this for you tonight, it occurred to me that this is the first adoption story in the Bible. That this is the first adoption story in the Bible and it amazes me the courage of these two women. Think about this. Jochebed, she had the courage to take Moses and put her child in a basket, church. I have three kids. I don't know if I have that kind of courage. And she takes this child and she, she puts him in a basket because she loved her child and she wanted to save her child and provide a hope and a future for this baby. So the courage to put this child in a basket and to float it to the child to Pharaoh's daughter. Then I think about Pharaoh's daughter, right? Can you imagine what that conversation was like with her dad? Remember, her dad wanted to kill all the Hebrew slaves. And so she has this conversation with him and she risks it all, church. She risked it against his racism. She risked what other people would think. She, the compassion in her heart, the courage in her heart to say, I'm going to take this child as my own. Church, I cannot help but read this story about these two women and not think of the amount of courage that these ladies had to make this happen. If you think about it, if you truly think about it, the courage these women had changed nations. Come on, somebody say, God bless a mother. Come on, I'm getting prepped for Mother's Day. You like that? church, these women had courage to do what they did. And Moses, the Bible said, he gets adopted. Now, what we know what was really happening, church, right? We know that God, he was working behind the scenes to position and prepare Moses for his destiny. Because the Bible says that once Moses get into the Pharaoh's house, he got the best education that you could get at that time with no student loans. Come on, somebody. I mean, the Bible says that he got things like Egyptian language, construction, philosophy, law, religion, economics, and leadership, all the things that Moses would eventually need to fulfill his calling in life. You see, Mark Twain said this. Mark Twain said the greatest two days in a person's life is the day they were born and the day they find out why. And Moses, I guarantee you, he didn't know the why of his life for a very long time. And I bet a lot of times, like you and I, he started to ask that question, why? Why am I going through this? Why do I have to face this? Why don't they do, aren't they doing the things that I'm doing? But you see, little did Moses know that God was building in him the education, the things he would need in the leadership down the road. And Moses, he grew up in transition, right? He grew up straddled, right, between the Hebrew culture and the Egyptian culture. And I think about the name Moses. You know, you may not know this, but Moses, his name sounds like the Hebrew word meaning drawn out. And he was drawn out of the water. For his entire life, church, he was reminded that he was the little Hebrew boy who was drawn out of the water. And I wonder, what was it like growing up Hebrew in an Egyptian culture? I mean, you ever wonder, like, was, as he grew up, was he made fun of? He was the boy that was drawn out of the water. He was the boy without a dad. He was the boy who didn't look like the other boys. He was the boy connected to slave culture. 
What was it like to be the boy that wasn't like the other boys? And I think maybe through that, though, that God developed in him a thick skin and a, and a tender heart. Because we know that Moses had a tender heart because he, he was tender to those who were bullied. He was tender to those who were oppressed because he had a tender heart. Which leads us to the next critical moment in Moses' life. It says this in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. One day as, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people, looking this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So now we fast forward and we see Moses is a grown man now. And notice that his heart in this moment, it is burning with compassion for the Hebrew, but his heart is burning with anger for the Egyptian. And so in a moment of impulse, the Bible says, Moses makes a de decision to kill the Egyptian and Pharaoh hears about it. And so Moses in this moment, he has to leave town. Exodus 2, 4, 15 says, Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian because Pharaoh was seeking his life. And the Bible says that Moses goes and he hides in the wilderness church. And because of this moment of impulse, because of this critical moment in his life, the next 40 years, Moses lives on the run. And I think about this moment, church, this moment of impulse for Moses. He went from being a prince in Egypt to being a fugitive. He went from being in the lap of luxury to living in the desert. He went from being a leader of leaders to a leader of sheep. And the Bible says that he becomes a shepherd. And it tells us in Genesis 46, 34, that Egyptians think that all shepherds are beneath their dignity. So in other words, church, Moses in this moment and in this season, he finds himself doing a job that he never thought he would do. Church, can I ask you tonight, have you ever found yourself doing a job that you never thought you would do? Let me rephrase that. Have you ever had a time in your life where you're working at a job and you're like, I can't believe I'm still doing this. That's where Moses is in this moment. And sometimes, church, you and I, we get caught in transition because we make an impulsive decision, don't we? Out of desperation. Sometimes you and I, we find ourselves in transition because of the decisions that we make. And as a consequence of that, Moses is on the run for 40 years as a shepherd. But you know, I was thinking about this, church, and I was thinking about what Scripture says. And Moses, in this moment of weakness, the Bible says that he looks this way and that way. But there was one way that he didn't look up. He didn't look up. He didn't look up. And I wonder how many times that we make mistakes, church, where we get caught in an impulsive moment and instead of, instead of looking up, we look to the left and to the right to fix and find our answers. It's almost like, Den, let's be honest, church, we've all been there. It's almost like we forget that God is even present. 
It's like we forget that he's with us. It's like we forget that God is aware and that he still has a plan. And sometimes we look to the left and we look to the right because we're trying to solve things in our own power, in our own strength without attending to the heart of God. I'll tell you what Moses' biggest problem was, was he was trying to, to meet, he was trying to fulfill a legitimate desire with illegitimate ways. Think about it. When Moses saw this happening, his desires were good. His desire was for freedom. His desire was for breakthrough. It was for that oppression within, that it was, that it was a righteous desire. It was a good desire. The problem was he just tried to fulfill it in illegitimate ways. I'll give you some examples, church. Man, you want to pass the class. You have a legitimate desire to pass the class, but you illegitimately cheat. Come on. You want to be a successful business person, man. You want to do good. You want to do, you do great. You want people to see how successful, for you are, successful you are, but then on this other side that you're fudging the numbers a little bit. It's a legitimate desire to have sexual needs. God created that way, but we try to find the answer to that in an illegitimate ways outside of marriage. See, legitimate desires fulfilled in illegitimate ways. Maybe your need tonight is for peace, man, and you want peace and you're just looking for peace, but you try to find it in alcohol and drugs and things of this world. Legitimate desires trying to be filled with in illegitimate ways. Looking to the left and to the right and not looking up. Church, let me ask you a question tonight. I wonder in here where God is seeing you right where you are right now and you're looking to the left and to the right and God would just say to you, I just need you to look up. Listen. I'm with you and I will help you fulfill those legitimate needs in legitimate ways, but you have to trust me. You have to trust that I'm still working in your life. Even when you don't see it, I'm still working. You see, God wanted Moses to know, Moses, I am with you and I am working. But Moses in this moment, he makes a costly decision in a moment and it was a critical moment in his life. But church, I want you to catch this tonight in this story that even in this pulsive moment, in this moment in a decision that cost him, God did not abandon Moses. God did not abandon him. God did not leave him. Jesus tells us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And God in this moment does not leave, moment, does not leave Moses in church. Our God, let me tell you tonight, he does not waste the wilderness. Our God does not, touch your neighbor, say, our God does not waste the wilderness. God does not waste the wilderness in our life. Church, trust me in my walk with God. I have learned over time that the wilderness years are never wasted years. Because the wilderness is where you and I, we discover God's inner work in us. You see, listen, God wanted to use Moses to lead the people out of Egypt, but first he had to use the wilderness to get the Egypt out of Moses. I'm going to say that again. I might have went too fast. God wanted to use Moses to lead the people out of Egypt, but first he had to use the wilderness to get the Egypt out of Moses. God uses the wilderness church. 
There's a scripture in Numbers 12, 3. It says this. It says, now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. God, he used the wilderness church to form humility in Moses. You see, humility wasn't formed in the palace. Humility was formed in the wilderness. It was formed in the desert. It was formed as a shepherd. And God, I'm telling you, church, he will use position and vocation to form humility in you. You see, anytime we get in a position, church, that rubs against our dignity, God is forming humility in you. Whenever you're in a position or asked to do something or do a task or a job that is required to you at work that presses against your dignity, God is trying to use that to form humility in you. And I'll tell you why, and this is why, because who you are becoming is far more important than who, what you're doing. Who you are becoming, church, is far more important than the title that you have. And God, he will use positions, he will engineer circumstances in our lives to build humility in us. God says, he's saying, what he's saying is, Moses, before you can lead people, I want to know, can you lead the sheep? Let me ask you the question, church. How are you doing with the thing that God has asked you to lead? I knew it would get quiet. Come on. How are you doing what God has asked you to do? And he's saying, hey, look, I just need you to lead the sheep right now. Can you stay faithful with what I've called you to do? See, God uses positions that press against our dignity to form humility. He uses the wilderness. And listen, church, if tonight, man, you feel like, man, it's the wilderness for you. Maybe it's in family. Maybe it's in finances. Maybe it's in your career or your job. If you feel like right now, man, I'm in a wilderness season, maybe for you it's in parenting. Come on, somebody. I'm just trying to survive these kids. Come on. But I want you to know whatever season of wilderness you're in, church, God does not waste the wilderness in that he is with you today. Moses learned that God was with him in the wilderness because the wilderness is where we learn to depend on God. It's where he teaches us character, where he teaches us perseverance. And listen, there's a lot of things that expensive education could have taught Moses, but there was one thing that only Moses could learn in the wilderness, and that was how to hear from God. So Moses, we know we fast forward. He has this moment in the wilderness that we call the burning bush. Another critical moment. And the Bible says that he's just walking along one day, right? And he looks over and there's this bush that's on fire that's not burning up. And the Bible says that Moses, he gets curious. So he goes over and he looks at the bush and he's watching the bush and he begins having a conversation with God at the bush, which to me is hard to imagine, but it's refreshing to me that it teaches me who God is. You see, God is, that he taught me through this story that if we are seeking God and if we're attentive to his voice, we will not miss him, church. You need to know that tonight. There's so many of you, man, I meet you every week up in Next Steps and you are so anxious, man, how will I know God's will for my life? How would I know God's will? And listen to me tonight, church, if, if you're seeking God, his will will find you. See, God was committed to doing for Moses. He was moving in a way. He moved through the burning bush because he wanted Moses to know that God would seek him out so much so that he could not miss him. 
And some of us, man, we're just wandering in the wilderness tonight. And let me tell you, if you are seeking God and are attentive to his voice, God is going to move in a way where you cannot miss him because his will is just that big. His will is just that big, church. But in the meantime, when you feel like, man, I don't really hear him right now. I don't really know. In the meantime, church, he's saying, just trust me. Just trust me. Trust that I'm with you. Even when you don't see it. And God is with Moses. And look at what it says in Exodus 3, 7, and 8, and 10. It says, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. This is verse 10 to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So in this moment, we see God calls Moses. And he says, look, Moses, I'm going to send you back to the place that you've been running from. Some of you tonight, God has been speaking to your heart to go back to that place that you've been running from. Maybe it was a place that was hurtful. Maybe it's a place that that has some history with you. And God is speaking to some of you tonight that says, I want to take all that I've been building into you and I want to help other people find freedom from the thing that you found freedom from. And I'm going to do and that work I've done in you. I've done it and I'm going to redeem that work and I'm going to use you to help other people walk through the same things you walked through. Come on, church. Some of you, he's calling you to go back to that place that you've been running from. And that's what he calls Moses to do. And Moses, obviously, he responds. He's like, Pharaoh, listen. I mean, I mean, God, listen. There's a Pharaoh back there that wants to kill me. There's people who want me dead. There's no way I'm going back there. And all of a sudden, Moses' insecurities start rising up. They start stirring up. And look at what Moses says to God in Exodus 3, 11 and 12. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, verse 12, I will be with you. You see, I think about how when we get fearful and we have our insecurities rise up, when when God calls us to do something that feels bigger than us and we're like, God, who am I? God, you know who I am. You know my history. And God said to Moses, he says, Moses, I am with you. In other words, church, in this moment, God gives Moses the promise of his presence. You see, what Moses needed in this moment was not a self-help book. You see, Moses didn't need a bigger vision of himself. What he needed was a bigger vision of his God. Can I get a good amen? And God was telling Moses, I am with you. And once Moses goes back to God, he said, who shall I tell him? Sent me. And this is what he says. He said, God says, I am. See, God in this moment, church, I hope you're catching this. God gives Moses his name, and his name is I Am, and it is a beautiful name. And it's beautiful because it's the answer to the questions we all ask when we find ourselves in the wilderness. God, who's going to lead me? I am. Who's going to protect me? I am. Who's going to provide for me? I am. Who's going to care for me and comfort me? I am. Who's working in all of this? I am. Who's present when I can't see it? I am. And the answer for our questions in the wilderness is the name that God gives Moses. He says, I am. He says, the I am is with you. 
Church, you need to know that if you're in the middle of the wilderness tonight, that your I am is with you. Can I get a good amen? And he's called you to something bigger than yourself. And so Moses, he goes back to Egypt and he tells Pharaoh, I need for you to set God's people free. I need for you to let people, God's people go. And of course, Pharaoh's like, no way, man. There's no way I'm letting all this free labor go and letting all these slaves free. There's no way I can do that. And then the Bible says through signs and wonders and miracles and plagues, eventually he opens up his hand and he lets the people go and he sets the people free. And now Moses, church, is not just leading himself through transition. He's leading a million people through transition. He's leading a million people from point A to point B to a place that they've never been before that they don't know. And after 400 years, the nations of Israel is finally free. And look at what happens in Exodus 13, 17, and 18. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. Now, I find this interesting. It says that God didn't lead them the short way. He didn't lead them short way. God led them the long way. And I've always asked, man, why wouldn't God just give them a shortcut? Come on, help somebody out. They're walking in the desert. But then I learned it's because he knew that the battles that that were coming, they weren't ready for. And sometimes, church, transitions can take longer in our lives because if God gave us what we wanted, when we wanted it, it would crush us. And sometimes he leads us the long, long way so that he can build the character and the perseverance and the faith that we need to fight the battles in our future. So God, he leads them the way towards the Red Sea. And then we get to the Red Sea, right? And I'm going to fast forward just a little bit more. And they have another critical moment because now the Egyptian armies are behind them. The Red Sea is in front of them and Moses is in charge. Come on. People are looking to him for leadership. People are looking to him to, to lead them. And I don't know if you've ever been in a position where you're like, God, you told me to do this. Now I need you to get me out of this. Come on. That is where Moses is in this moment. And in this moment, there's fear that's rising up in his heart. And I want to show you what happens in Exodus 14, 10 and 11. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? And verses 13 and 14 says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. I love these verses. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Somebody say, just be still. What the Hebrew people learned that day is they have a God that fights for them that they could trust in him and that he was with them. And in that moment, come on, you know the story. The Bible says that the water split and the nation of Israel, they crossed over to the other side on dry ground. And then after they crossed over, the waters came together and drowned the Egyptians and they drowned Pharaoh and all his chariots. And God moved his people in transition to the promised land. And God taught them a lesson, church, in this moment that the nation of Israel would never forget. And he sets them free. And that lesson that he taught them that day was I am with you. See, God made sure they didn't forget it, church. 
If you fast forward some more, you know that the Bible says he led them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. In other words, people, his people could always look up and see that God was with them. The Bible even says that when they got out of bed, he provided manna from them from the sky to the point that they were like, we cannot take any more carbs. Come on, somebody. We can't do it. I can't do it no more. He said, cool, I'm going to send you some protein. And he sends quail to them. Come on, the carnivores were happy. And they ate all the quail they could eat. And what was God doing through all these answers to prayers? What was he doing as he was providing? What he was doing was he was leaving post-it notes of his love all over the place. And I think about that church and how every day, you and I, we have post-it notes of God's love all around us. But here's the truth. You and I, we can't see them if we're always in a hurry. You see, hurry doesn't have eyes for the presence of God. But I believe with all my heart that if we would just slow down in the wilderness a little bit, church, we would see that God is with us and that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And so God, he leads them through the wilderness with these constant reminders of his presence that I am with you. And it's on this journey that we see in the scripture that Moses, he even has this moment as God is shaping Moses, as he's doing things, as he's having these critical moments. The Bible says that Moses has a conversation with God. And there's this moment where he tells God, he says, God, if your presence doesn't go with me, then I don't want to go. And what is he saying to God in this moment? What he's saying to God in this moment is, I don't want the promised land. I don't want the land of milk and honey without your presence. God, I don't want your blessings. I don't want the things you'll do in my life if you're not in it. God, God, I don't want your presence. I mean, I want your presence more than anything that you could ever give me. God, it's all about being with you. And church, we learn that, don't we, church? It's all about being with him. It's not what he can give me. It's not what he can fix, what he can provide, but it's about being with him, church. And Moses understood that the greatest blessing, it was the greatest promise in his life and that God was with him. And we fast forward, and I'm not going to read this story because we're almost done. But there's this moment where they get to the promised land. And the Bible says that he sends in, God tells them to send in 12 spies. And he sends in 12 spies, and we know that two come back, and they have these enormous grapes from the promised land. And they're like, look at what God has provided. It's going to be amazing. We need to go in. But then the Bible says there's 10 spies that come back. And all they talk about is the dangers. And all they talk about is the giants. And the Bible says that in this moment, in this critical moment, church, the people of Israel, they allow their fear to trump their faith. And because of this church, God gets angry and he says this. He says, no one over the age of 20 will enter into the promised land. And the Bible says that they wander around an additional 38 years for that generation to die because they allowed fear to trump their faith. And this fear, it cost them greatly. And we know they couldn't enter in because they forgot that God was with them. 
And you know, church, as I studied this story, the word that kept coming to me, it would come, the word that I kept reading over and over and over and over again, if I had to summarize this whole sermon, the word that I would give you tonight is the word with. That God would say to Moses, I was with you, Moses, when you were in your mother's womb. I was with you in the adoption. I was with you when you were raised in Egypt. I was with you even in your worst moment. And I didn't leave you in that moment of impulse when you looked to the left to right. And I was with you as you wandered and were on the run. Then I was with you at that burning bush. The I am is with you. And I'm the one that called you into Egypt. And I'm the one that led you into the, through the Red Sea. And I was with you when I gave you my words, the Ten Commandments. And I'm continuing to be with you on the edge of the promised land. Church, he is with you. But if you know this story, you know that Moses didn't enter into the promised land. And he wasn't a perfect leader. And he made mistakes and he didn't enter in. But the Bible says that before he takes his last breath, he has one more request for the nation of Israel. And I'm going to share that with you as we close. And it's Deuteronomy chapter 8. And I'm not going to read. I'm going to paraphrase it for you. And this is the speech he gives to the last thing he tells the people. He says, when you eat, get full, build nice houses and settle down. And your herds and flocks are growing large. Your silver and gold are multiplying and everything you have is thriving. Don't become arrogant, forgetting the Lord your God. The one who rescued you from Egypt, from the house of slavery. And don't think to yourself, my own strength and abilities have produced all this prosperity for me. Remember the Lord your God. He's the one who gives you the strength to be prosperous. You see, church, Moses' greatest fear for the people was that they would enter into the promised land and forget that God was with them. And it's because, you see, Moses knew that through his relationship with his God and through the walk with his God, he had learned that the real blessing of transition is the awareness of the presence of God. It's the awareness of your dependence on God, and it's the awareness of your trust in God. And the curse of comfort is that we would forget God. And Moses, like whatever you do, don't forget about God and that he is with you. And so church, I'm here to tell you tonight, whether you find yourself in transition right now or whether you're in comfort right now, whether if your world feels just unstable or you're just in a place of stability, the message tonight that you came to hear is that God is with you and that God is good on his promises. I don't know about you, I needed to hear that tonight. I needed to be reminded of that, that at every place that I go, the Bible said that his spirit goes before me, it is behind me, and it is all around me. I need to know, man, when I feel like his voice is silent, that he is with me every step of the way. I need to know that, that I can go to his word and I can hear his voice. I need to know that, that, that God has given me a gift called the Holy Spirit, and I can speak in my heavenly language to him. I need to know that he is with me, church. And he is with you. And if I could be honest with you tonight, man, I read this story about Moses and I was always just just really confused, man. How could Moses not get in after all that, all that effort, all that sacrifice, 
Moses never got into the promised land. And then as I was studying this message, I read the story last week about the transfiguration of Christ. And Jesus, if you don't know this story, it's found in Matthew 17. And Jesus, he is on top of Mount Hermon. And three of his disciples are with them. And there's this story and they're up there and they see Jesus transfigured and they have this vision of two people with Jesus. Who remembers who those two people were? It was Elijah and it was Moses. You see, Moses was in the promised land church. See, Moses was in the promised land and God really made good on his promises. And Moses now, he was in the promised land with Jesus who went, the I am, the Lord, the son of God. And God makes good on his promises, church. In his time, he makes good on his promises. And you and I, church, we can trust him tonight because he is with us every step of the way. Do you believe and receive that tonight? If you do, give God a round of applause. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.